0: Well, praise the Lord, folks. Are you still doing all right? Yes. That was miserable. <laughs> Are you still doing all right? Yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me first say uh, what a joy it is to be here. Uh, Pastor John, thank you for this invite. Thank you for opening and trusting me with your pulpit. And may your people be encouraged today. Amen, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let me get this thing fired up, there we go, well folks it is good to be here, and uh, I really do trust that you hear from God, I don't want you just to hear the voice of a man, I want you to hear the voice of God, I'm only a vessel, and uh, I just trusted that, that God would speak to you. As you may have recognized, I'm from Belfast. I'm glad to hear you clap because it's the best part of the island. Amen. Uh, <laughs> some of you Dubliners might disagree with that. But that's all right. I'm right. <laughs> but listen, it is a joy to be downed and uh, to, to speak, so praise God. Let me, let me bring something to you. It's a bit of a reading, uh, a wee bit of length to it, but listen, we need to read this just to get a context of where we're going, and it's in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, hallelujah, and it says, And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren Ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. And look how they fur and take pledge. Now Saul and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left his sheep with a keeper. And took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench and the host was going forth to the fight. And shouted for the battle for Israel and Philistines had put a battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren as he talked with them. And behold, there came a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard him and all the men of Israel, when they saw, fled from him and were very afraid. And the men of Israel said, how have you seen this man come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come, and it shall be, that the man who killeth him shall be rich with great riches, and give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the man that stood by him, and says, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that who should defy the armies of the living God? the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard what he spoke unto the man, And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he says, Why camest thou down hither? And why hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the naughtiness of your heart. For thou hast come that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not... A cause, and, and, and another verse in John eighteen, and Pilate said unto him that uh, Jesus, Art thou a king, man? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear the truth, of the uh, witness of the truth, and everyone that hear, that is of the truth, hear my voice. Father, be glorified be exalted, and let Christ be exalted today. Let your people, Lord, have ears to hear, and may their eyes be open. Because, Father, our nation is in an incredible need, desperate need, and it is only the hand of Almighty God that will truly bring glory to your name. Touch your church, O God, because I ask it for your glory. In Jesus' name. Folks, David really asks a question, and I suppose it's a question that I have for all of us. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? You see, our, 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 our world today and humanity at a core, loves causes. Not a reality? There's always a cause. Save the wheels, save the planet, save the trees. In fact, some people are so engrossed in their cause that they'll even strap themselves to a tree. Is that right? You know, a big tree's going to be cut down. Oh, is that right? Well, I'll strap myself to it. There's always a cause. There's a cause. We've even got the great cause of recycling. I'm always at my wife, Joanne. I'll call her Joanne. Joanne, please recycle. Please. stop. Does anybody else have a problem? Do you recycle down here? No. Yes. I'm fed up with my wife putting everything just in one bin. You see, there's a cause. There's a social cause. There's a cause for housing. There's a cause for addiction. There's always a cause to make our community safer. Folks, there's a cause for everything. Humanity has made a cause for absolutely everything. But there's also a cause... In the darker side of life. There's a cause, there's a cause for evil. There's a cause for wickedness. There's a cause. There, there's a cause, particularly up in the north where I live. There, there's a cause where men fight for territory. Kill one another, they shoot one another, they fight with one another. There's, there's a cause in my community where my church is for a peace wall to separate two communities from each other. My church is right in the middle of it. Because there's a cause. And and, and everywhere in in, in life and, and everywhere you turn, there's always a cause. But I want to come to David. This young man who would one day take the throne of Israel, a young lad who had his job as looking after sheep, classed as the lowest of the low shepherds were, he was looking after sheep. He would love those sheep. He would tend for those sheep. He would look after those sheep. He would almost be prepared to give his life for those sheep. He was ready to do what it was, to fend off a lion and a bear that would try to kill them. He was a true shepherd, even as a young lad. He didn't carve from a fight. He didn't walk away. He didn't leave his sheep to the, to the slaughters. He says, no, he had a heart he had a heart for God. He had a heart for the sheep. It was the training ground. And he was prepared to fight when and if necessary. His father asks him to do a job. Take to your brethren the corn, the loaves. Run to them. And the Jesus take to the captains of thousands. David was too young to go to war, folks. He was a young lad. But his father nonetheless had a job for him to do. And he says, would you go and would you, would you take And David goes, and when he finally gets to what is the battleground, I believe he's disappointed. Because he doesn't even see a battle. There's no fighting. There's not even a sword being swung. There's nothing happening. Oh, there's armies. There's two armies. And there's not a single battle taking place. David doesn't see anything, but I'll tell you what he does see. He sees an army that is deflated and afraid. He sees an army that is broken, that is hurting, and doesn't know where to turn. Not only did he see an army that was afraid, he would also see a king who was afraid he would see a king who was supposed to be an example, crippled by fear, not leading the people, but in hiding. He would see things he wasn't expecting to see. And it even says, and when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. You know, one of the saddest truths of this is, is this. It, 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 it is, folks a reflection even of the church today. Because one of the saddest things to see this last two years has been the church crippled by fear. Absolutely crippled. Even, dare I say, our leaders have been in hiding. And I'm not branding every leader with that, folks. Please hear my heart. But I have looked across the fields, as it were, and I have generally seen a leadership and a people afraid, not knowing what to do, falling into arguments, falling into dismay, turning to one another, looking for somebody to lead them, to take them through this battle, looking for somebody to stand up and say, This is the way we fight. What is sad is that there's been people like David looking for men and women to look to. You see, there's something about fear that cripples the heart of people. So much so that God told Moses this in the book of Deuteronomy, and the officers shall speak further to the people. And they shall say, whatever man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted, send him home to his own house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as their heart. Folks, that is an incredible scripture because what he's saying is this, when you have men of fear in the, in the, in the army with you, their fear trickles down there's something about trying to win over a field for a person. Very hard to win over. Very hard to win in the fight. And, and what God is saying is this: If there's such people in the fight with you, He's saying it's better to send them home. That's what He's saying. It's better that they're not there. But, but folks, do we not need people? Of course we need people. But folks, there's something when you spill fear into the heart of somebody else, it grips them. You ever? Do you ever see when the doctor gives you bad news? All of a sudden, fear grips you. You think about your life, and you think about how long have I got left? What have I got left? Because fear has gripped your heart. God says fear is not a good thing. You see, fear cripples the heart of people. And God knew it. The Bible says... God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And folks, I, I want to encourage you this morning. We have an incredible Savior. Hallelujah. We have an incredible Savior. You see, you see we come to this, this, this glass, standing, shouting, giving off his, his rhetoric, as it were. Folks, I, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. You see, this giant who grew up in Gath, perfected his trade, stood in war, standing in the valley, and do you know what he was doing? He was terrorizing the people of God. He was terrorizing with, with his rhetoric. He was terrorizing them with his strength. He was terrorizing with his height and with his power. And he was saying, there's no one like me in, in all of Philistine. And he was a, a representation of your word of a giant over the world. And he was saying, you don't stand a chance against me. That's what he was saying. And folks, the people of God fell for it. They fell for it. They couldn't see how anybody could beat this giant. They couldn't see in reason and they couldn't see any way, any shape, any form. How do we beat him? David would have heard this, this giant scream at the top of his voice. You see, here's a lesson, folks, and let me say this. Many of us think of the devil as unskilled and untrained, and that he doesn't have a clue. You know what this last two years has taught me? The devil is not unskilled, he is not untrained, and he knows how to fight, because the church in general has almost been reduced to hiding, and that's in my country as well. Goliath's voice has been the voice that has been heard. That's the voice that has been heard. It is the voice that has shouted the most across the land. Every word throughout media, throughout outlets, all we have heard is a giant scream. Who would agree with that? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever else there is, all we have heard is the voice of a giant. And folks, I have looked at believers in the church of God, shake with fear, not knowing what to do, not knowing where to turn, not knowing who to listen to, but listen to this voice, time after time after time, and I've said to minute, turn it off, shut it turn? the BBC is one of the most ungodly, things they ever come out of the world, turn it off, I don't know what's down south, but turn it off, because when that voice continues to shout over the airwaves, it starts to get from here and it starts to get down to here. It is time to turn it off, folks. You see, you see, this voice was continuing to shout which caused even the king and his great military commanders to be afraid. They reacted But David acted. Why is that significant? Because David had spiritual insight. That was the only difference. He had spiritual insight. He was able to see something different. And this is what David realized. This is not about a man or his size, but about the spirit behind him. Now that was what David's seen. And if you listen to David's answer, it, it, it tells you everything you need to know. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that divides the armies of the living God? He didn't say Israel. He said the living God. You see, David was looking at it in a different context. He was looking at this not as a battle of the flesh, but as a battle of the spirit. And he knew that the only way that this could be taken care of was in a spiritual context. And so he comes to this place, and, and, and he is provoked within his spirit for a response. And he, and he really is saying, this, who does he think he is to challenge God Almighty? And that is really what he is saying, folks. That is really his heart. And listen, his brother, his brother, it's brilliant the way the Bible puts it. His brother literally says, why are you here, David? Go home. You don't belong here. And folks, even within the church, there's people who will say this, go home, you don't belong here. Is that not the truth? They say you don't belong here. You see, David, his brother says, It's time for you to go home and I love his response. He says to his brother, but is there not a cause? In church, I ask us the same question. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? You see, David knew this. Regardless of his youth, he knew that God's people needed a fresh revelation of God's power. He seen their depression, he'd seen their fear, their humiliation, and he's seen the prospect of defeat. David knew that the only way was a display of God's power against the giant. He knew the only way of overcoming for the people of God to walk back into the freedom that God had destined them was a display of the power of God. And folks, here is the absolute reality. This shadow was casted long enough over Israel. And David was really saying, enough is enough. We need men again like David and women like David will say, enough is enough. Enough is enough. You see, he goes, Uh, And and he he says to the the, the king Saul, he says, let no man's heart fail because of the giant. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're you're not able to go to fight the Philistine. He says, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept thy father's sheep. And there came a lamb and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock, and I pursued them, and I killed them. You see, here was a young man willing to step into the fight. But my heart was drawn to the attention of this church. What is it when a man wants to step into the fight that all of a sudden voices raise up and say, you can't do this? Why is that? I know your pastor the last couple of years nearly has been a man that stood up to the fight. And I also know that there was some of them that never got behind it. They thought he was mad. <laughs> they thought there was no great purpose in it. And it wasn't the world that said that. It was people in the church. Why is that? That when we go to step out, that all of a sudden those that are close to us all of a sudden begin to come with doubt and fear. And they actually will say to you, you're not able. They will actually say to you, you don't have what it takes. What they say... You don't have what it takes. You're unskilled, you, you don't know how to fight. You have no skill, you have no qualifications. What can you really bring to the table? You see, David wasn't a, a, a warrior, he was a shepherd. And Saul was really saying, you don't even know how to fight. You don't know how to go to war, you don't know how to battle. You don't even know where to start. And David says, oh, Oh, Saul, only if you knew. Only if you knew what I knew. There was a lion and a bear. And they came and they took one of my flock. And if you knew the heart that I had for them, I went after them. I chased them down. And they were not getting away with my sheep. Hallelujah. Thank God for shepherds. Thank God for shepherds. Amen. Come on, thank God for shepherds. They look after your soul. Hallelujah. You see, he says, they weren't getting them. I went after them and I took them on and I delivered the sheep from the mouth and I killed them. He says, and this Philistine will be as the lion and the bear. Hallelujah. He was in one of the greatest training grounds of his life and he never knew it. He, he, he was being trained as a shepherd, but God was really preparing him as a warrior. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me say this again. Praise God for shepherds. I'll tell you why. Because I'm a pastor, and I know what it is to be hurt. And I know what it is to love people. And sometimes we're the most loneliest people in the world. But we're willing to fight. Well, some of us are willing to fight. (laughs) We're willing to fight for the sheep. Pray for your pastor. I can say that. Pray for your pastor. See, even when he gets it wrong, pray for him. Do you see even when he irritates you? Does he irritate you? Can I, can I ask that question? <laughs> Does Pastor John irritate you from time to time? Come on, be honest. Be, listen, some of my people say to me, Lee, you know what? You really irritate me. Do you know what I say? Get over it. See when he irritates you? Pray for him. Pray for him. Let me move on quickly. David knew that the victory was in the power of God. David said, moreover, the Lord shall deliver me out of the paw of the lion, or the Lord delivered me out of the paw of the lion and of the birth. First Samuel 17, 37. He will deliver me out of the hand. Do you notice where David's victory lay? It wasn't in his own strength. It wasn't even in his sling. What did he say? The Lord shall deliver me. David at this point never rested in the strength of self. He says, the Lord. In church, I say to us this morning, we will not deliver ourselves ourselves from Goliath, by our tools and by our strengths and by our skills, necessarily, we will be delivered when we look to God Almighty. And we realize it's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That's when something will happen again. You see, for too long, Our land has been filled with many giants. For too long, Goliath has grew up in our land. Goliath, just like he did back then in Gath, he grew up, he became of age, he developed strength, he took on challenges, and finally comes to challenge the people of God. And I say to you this morning this, there's giants that have come to life in our land. Many of them, many of them, north and south, they may have a different wrapper, they may have different armor, but nonetheless, they're giants in our land. In my own land, in my own city, there's giants. Giants of abortion, giants of same sex, giants of COVID, giants of all sorts. There's giants all around us of addiction. There's giants of broken marriages. There's giants of disconnected and dysfunctional families. All sorts of giants. The only way you can take them on a giant is by God Almighty. There's no other way, church. You see, I ask myself this question. As giants stand all around us, and at times their voice seems louder than ours, I ask myself the question is there not a cause, Pastor Lee? Is there not a cause? And my answer is there is a cause. It isn't just found in COVID. It isn't just found in the restrictions. It isn't just found in what we're dealing with at present. There is still the the, the giants of addiction, marriage breakups, and family problems. There's all different giants all around us. But here's what I'm encouraged at out of Isaiah 59 and 19. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. And to bring that into a New Testament context, it is the church of Jesus Christ that is the standard. It is the church that God raised up. It is the church, folks, that is the standard across the board to fight against an enemy in our land. And listen, Jesus said, and I shall say unto you that you are Peter, but upon this rock, speaking of himself, I will build my church. And listen, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Against it. He raised up a church. And I love this. Folks, the church wasn't raised up to be a happy clappy club. And I I love happy clappy. I love love it. Pastor John was bouncing away there. I've no rhythm. For me to start bouncing will look ridiculous. Oh, but I'd love to. (laughs) I love it. I love to see people in the hands in the rear. I love to see people rejoice. I love to see body sway. Oh, you'll see me sway a wee bit. I love it. But the church wasn't here to be a happy clappy club. The church was here to take on giants. And to pull down giants. the wipe out giants. And to stand against a system of the world, it says, no, 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 only God, only God's way is the truth, the way and the life. You see, he stands up and he raised it up the church. And let me say this, as I give me a few minutes to finish. Let me say this, he, he raised the church up and he filled 120 people in the book of Acts. Oh, man, i love to have seen. But you know what? I, I said this to my own church the other day. And I want to say it to you because I know you love me, don't you? You, 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 you love me already. Amen. Amen. Uh, amen. I feel at home here, Pastor John. Uh, I feel there's a wonderful spirit here. And, and, and listen, the Dublin folk are good for a laugh. Amen. <laughs> I said it to my, my, my church on Thursday night at our Bible study. I says, can you imagine that Jesus has... Four fishermen, a tax collector, uh, a zealot uh, who, who, who is essentially an assassin, and others that we really don't know of. And Jesus is walking with these twelve men, and he's essentially saying, "These are the men that are going to change the world." <laughs> Folks, it's ridiculous. <laughs> what? What? I can see doctors, lawyers, I can see business people. Look at what. These are the people that are going to change the world. Yes. Fisherman. Yes. Tax collector. Yeah. And a zealot. Yeah. And a doubter. Yeah. But you see, when he filled them with the Spirit, on Acts chapter 2, he done something incredible with 120 of them. And here's what I said to my people. They were all a motley-looking bunch, strange individuals. But listen, the Bible calls us a peculiar people. Amen. Amen. Don't be offended if somebody says you're peculiar. And he calls them a peculiar people. What he's gonna do with these people was lift them up, change them, and go out and preach the gospel. Hallelujah. And boy, they went out. You see, he lifted them up. He sent them out and they preached. Christ crucified, they preach the cross of Jesus Christ and they begin to take down giants, hallelujah. And as they begin to take them down, we would read what Paul would say, for we walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh Our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, amen, casting down even imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself, against the knowledge of God and bringing in captivity. Let me finish on this. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king? He says to this end, was I born? And for this cause, came I into the world. That I should bear witness of the truth and everyone that hears the truth, hears my voice. Do you know what is lovely? Just like David, Jesus was sent by his father. He had a job to do. Jesus was sent with a mission just like David was sent with a mission. For God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, just like the mission that David had, so Jesus steps into the battleground. He was raised as a young boy. He learned the trade of carpentry. He learned what it was as a word of walk and flesh. But there would be a day that the king of kings would step into the battleground, and he would start to deliver people and set the blind free. And set the attic free, and set the legions free, and set people that couldn't walk and get them up to the walk again. All of a sudden, strongholds are being pulled down, and people are looking and going, "What's happening?" All oh, that the church would have again miracles. Lives would be changed. Addicts would be set free. People would be lost and saved. The blind would receive their sight. All folks at the church would have miracles again, but Jesus comes in and he begins, he begins to go into ministry and pull them down. But then there's a day. When he says, Goliath, you've had your day long enough. It's time for me to go to the cross. And there on the cross, He destroyed the works of the devil. He destroyed them, folks. He destroyed them. How do you know that? Go to Colossians. And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, contrary to us, and took it away by the nailing it to the cross. Now listen to this verse. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show over them openly. What does that mean? And I love this picture. It means that he took the devil, he defeated him, he put him in chains, and he paraded him to his victors. And he says, this is what has happened to the enemy. And folks, listen to me. That is why we can stand in the fight because of what Christ has accomplished, because of what he has done. Christ defeated all parts, all forces, and he let the world see, he let the church see that we can have victory. The cross was not a defeat cross was the greatest victory in the world is there not a cause church all nations church in Dublin I ask you is there not a cause there is it's a cause for the glory of God and the souls of man It's the greatest cause in the world. The glory of God in the souls of man. And if you capture that, it will change your life. Because God is most glorified. In everything we do. Husbands, when we love our wives, God is glorified. When we look after our children in honor, we is glorified. It's not just glorified in the pulpit. When we walk down the street and people are against us and we love them, he is glorified. When we forgive sinners and forgive them for what they do, he is glorified. <laughs> he is glorified in everything we do for his name. Hallelujah. When we go to reach the lost, he is glorified. When we do the simple things in life, he is glorified. And yet we do everything for his glory and the souls of men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there not To God be the glory. I have to finish. I have to keep my voice for 12.30. (laughs) And then I have to keep my voice for the night. (laughs) Is there not a cause, church? There is. Now here's the question. Finished. Are you going to be like David? Are you going to see the spirit for what it is? The the, the wicked spirit? Are you going to act like David? Or react like David? And how are you going to act like David? Pastor Lee, what is the best way we can fight? I'm glad you asked that question, by the way. Let's get on our knees. And begin to cry out to God Almighty. That he would do something with a group of people. For the glory of his name. That's it. And the Father will send you on a mission. And he will give you every tool you need to accomplish the job. Amen. Amen. Can we stand for one minute? Father, touch this group of people. Bless them and encourage them. And give them the spirit for the fight. Father, move in this place and be glorified. Let your people know the love of God, and Father, may your people this morning go out of here within their hearts knowing, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Word of God. My Father, fill your people. Bless them and encourage them. Strengthen them. Folks, reach out to him. Just say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Use me. Whatever way, shape or form, use me before I go, can I ask this question? Is there anybody in this auditorium that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? He died for you. He loves you. Is there anybody in this room today that will say, I wanna give my life to Jesus Christ. I want forgiveness of sins. I want him to save me for time and eternity. Raise your hand right now. Humble we'll gonna pray. Is there one in this room would say, Jesus Christ, save my life? Is there one? Before we go, is there one? Just raise your hand where you're at. Is there one? Is there one? Father, we leave it with you. And we thank you for loving us. Touch every heart. Be glorified and be exalted, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, thank you. Thank you, Pastor John, again. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Amen. And God willing, we'll meet again. Amen. Thank you, Pastor John. God bless you, my brother.